I'm Valerie Halavity with Halavity Legacy Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it's hard to believe that drought could be good for any type of agriculture here in Texas. But believe it or not, we found one farmer who got a lot of good out of the very dry conditions we had this past summer. We'll check in with him coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Forage is in big demand in the Texas High Plains right now. But farmers might want to be careful about how far they go in responding to that need. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers receive some beneficial rainfall this week for fall planted crops and livestock grazing conditions. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'll have the story on Texas Ag Today. Areas of Texas have received very little rainfall since the end of August. Many are questioning whether to plant cool season annual forages. To plant or not to plant, that is the question. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It's hard to believe that this year's drought could actually be good for any type of farming here in Texas, but there is one small sector that had a good year thanks to the dry weather. Daryl Bowers grows cotton, corn, sorghum, and cattle on his farm in Inez, Texas on the Gulf Coast, but his biggest farming operation is raising catfish. All our water comes from wells underground, so the drought is bad for the everything else. I, I can pump water, and granted, electricity is expensive, so one of the big the big farm that we've got that's running on a, on a well that's producing 2,500 gallons a minute, uh, knock on wood, I've got plenty of water. The drought, you don't have to worry about feeding fish in the rain, you don't have to worry about your levees, and so drier weather is, is I like for the fish farm. Timely rains for the rest of the farm I like, right? On the fish side of things, um, drier weather helps us out with the feeding. Like I say, as long as the water wells are running. We've had to run, obviously, more this year than we've ever ran, but it's it's been good. And the dry weather not only helped in growing catfish, it also gave him the opportunity to rebuild a lot of ponds. While the drought this last year was really bad for our crops, you know, I think we made the worst corn crop we've ever made, but we also rebuilt more ponds this last spring than we've ever had. 
and so it was kind of a double-edged sword it was a, one one side of the farm was really bad for us but the other side of the farm was oh we got to do a lot get a lot of work done and so now going into 2023 we've got a whole bunch of ponds that are uh, built now we're installing aerators and we'll be ready for fish in january and so that's a was a big plus for us bowers has nearly 90 catfish ponds on his diversified farm Harvest continues to move forward in Texas. We're winding down the corn harvest according to the latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report. They're showing 97% of the corn crop now harvested. Soybeans winding down as well with 80% of that crop out of the field. Peanuts now reported just above the halfway mark. 55% of the Texas peanuts are now harvested. And the Texas cotton harvest nearing the halfway point with 48% of the Texas cotton crop harvested. That's a bit ahead of the 43% five-year average pace. USDA has announced the appointment of four members to serve on the United Sorghum Checkoff Program's Board of Directors. All four of the new appointees will serve three-year terms starting in December of 22 and ending in December of 2025. There is one Texan in that group, Joshua Birdwell of Malone, Texas. Forage is in big demand in the Texas High Plains right now, but James Hunt says farmers may want to be careful in how far they go in responding to that need. Texas High Plains farmers with crop yields down in many cases have extra incentive to find ways to get the most out of what they planted this year. And they're getting some opportunities with livestock producers running short on forage. But farmers might need to be cautious. Here's Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell. We've talked about silage and high silage prices and many producers taking drought-stressed crops to silage. But one of the things that we have seen because of the forage deficit and just the several years of persistent drought is more producers are opting to harvest their corn stalks and even sorghum stover or biomass for forage. And I do think it's really important that as producers make those decisions, they really step back and evaluate what they are losing. That residue, especially during a drought, is so important. That holds that soil down and prevents erosion. So if they are harvesting stalks for forage, you know, really pay attention to that cutting height. Try not to take everything off that field. But also keep in mind the amount of nutrients that are being harvested and taken away from that field. And when we look at record high fertilizer prices, well, there's a cost to taking those nutrients and hauling those nutrients away as well. So that's something that we are increasingly seeing. I do understand that just because of the extra revenue producers can achieve, that that is desirable, especially if yields were down. But nevertheless, there is a cost with harvesting that biomass as well. Once again, that was AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has been a good couple of weeks for rainfall in many areas of Texas. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a coastal bend farmer for an update. My guest today from San Patricio County is Charles Ring. He raises a few cattle, but uh, mostly he uh, raises uh, corn, cotton, and grain sorghum and sesame. And Charles, uh, you, like many other farmers in that part of the state, 
and others have been in the midst of a major drought. But this week, about how much rainfall did you receive and how is it going to be beneficial for you? The last couple of days, we've gotten anywhere from three and a half to five inches. There's water over the road for the first time in a while. The you know, land was pretty much prepared, ready for the rain. And can't say that I'm upset about it because going into another drought would be real hard going into 23. This precipitation helps for the 2023 crop, right? Right, right. The prices have been good. Corn and sorghum are still strong. Cotton has fell way out of sync. It'd be even tougher if, if the moisture was short. How short has your moisture been over these last several months? <laughs> well, you know, after we got a crop up, most of it, but most of the county did not. We actually tried to make a crop and it took forever. It was late. And we got some rain at the end when we were harvesting that devastating on a cotton crop, but it was good. It gave us some deeper moisture. That's now why we, now since we've gotten this three to half to five inches, we're pretty much set up. We don't need a lot of rain in the spring or in the winter now to get a crop up and growing. After six months of no rain and crops drying up and not making a stand and not being able to get a crop growing, well, this will be good. This will be something we can at least bank on. It gives us a reason to want to put out fertilizer. That is Southeast Texas farmer Charles Ring. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Now, while we've been getting decent rains in many areas of the state, there are other areas that are still very dry. And that has some producers wondering if it's worth planting winter forages this year. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson takes a look. Ideally, we would like to plant forages to soil moisture. Summer pastures should be overseeded in October and early November, depending on location. Delaying planting may give us an opportunity to plant soil moisture depending on rainfall chances. Delaying planting too late will decrease overall forage production as well as result in a shorter grazing period. Cool soil temperatures are important for good germination and establishment for small grains and annual ryegrass. Daily minimum temperatures should be below 75 degrees Fahrenheit for good stand establishment. Also keep in mind, since we have been dry lately, once we receive rainfall, we can see populations of fall armyworms. As you plant winter forages, be prepared to scout for armyworms following any significant rainfall. Scout early in the morning and be prepared to take action that day if you find three or more per square foot. Delaying control can lead to a complete loss of any winter forage seedlings. Read labels of pesticide products to make sure you are using the product correctly and safely. Current weather outlooks are predicting a mild and dry winter due to an ongoing La Nina. With milder temperatures, our warm season perennials such as Bermuda grass and Bahia grass may not go dormant. Be mindful of grazing pressure on these warm season perennial forages during the winter. Too much grazing pressure can reduce top growth, opening the canopy, and allowing weed seeds an opportunity to germinate. As we graze above ground forage growth, we are also simultaneously reducing below ground roots. Shorter roots make it harder for the plant to capture nutrients and moisture. This can weaken our warm season perennial stand, making it harder to recover in the spring and possibly reduce forage production at the following season. Thursday, November 3rd, five CEU hours will be offered by the Overton Pesticide CEU program. Topics covered will include control of aquatic weed, cattle external parasite control, a herbicide update, laws and regulations update, and insect pest of pastures and hay meadows. This program will be hosted virtually by Extension Specialist Office at the Overton Center. 
To register for the Overton Pesticide CEU program, please contact the Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Center in Overton. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has implemented two new chronic wasting disease zones. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And like any athlete, horses should be warmed up prior to any activity. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Like any athlete, horses should be warmed up prior to any activity. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at some methods for warming up your horse. Warming up is important as lots of horses spend lots of time in stalls, so just walking is helpful to get them moving. Use a long rein to allow the head and neck to stretch forward and downward and the strides will lengthen as the horse gets warm. Some horses that are turned out in warm weather may only require five minutes of warm-up, while older horses in cold weather may require 15 minutes or more. The warm-up session is to increase the horse's heart rate and respiratory rate by exercising them at a moderate speed with either trotting or cantering with different patterns and different speeds. If the exercise plan is intense exercise, increase to that level from moderate to high speed slowly. Whether the trot or canter for warm-up is the best speed is difficult to answer, and Dr. Clayton believes this depends on the horse. Most warm bloods like to trot, while thoroughbreds seem to like to canter best. So it may require a trial to determine which is best for your horse. Canter is biomechanically different from the trot. In the canter, as the hind limbs move forward, the lumbar spine and lumbosacral joint flex and round the back. As the hind limbs push off, these joints extend, So if the horse has any injury to back muscles, tendons, or ligaments, trotting may be a better choice for warm-up. Horses with back pain generally need a lot of warm-up consisting of 20 minutes of walking and gradually increase to a trot. Horses with back pain can benefit from core training, and this training can be performed just before tacking up the horse. This training activity activates the small muscles of the back that stabilize the intervertebral joints during exercise. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has implemented two new chronic wasting disease zones. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. In response to detections of chronic wasting disease in Gillespie and Limestone counties, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has implemented new CWD surveillance zones ahead of opening day for the general white-tailed deer hunting season. Carter Smith, TPWD Executive Director, explained the need for the zones at the Parks and Wildlife Commission work session Wednesday. 
in Gillespie County, a deer breeder facility, as part of the routine surveillance there, two 14-month-old bucks were detected with CWD. And then in Limestone County, five does in the same pen um, were confirmed to have CWD. And so now, with the advent of general hunting season starting this weekend, there's a need to create surveillance zones around those facilities to monitor and see if um, CWD has potentially spread outside of those facilities into those free-ranging herds. The new zone in Gillespie County covers a little over 117,000 acres north of 290 in Harper. It extends just above the Gillespie-Mason County line and just west of the Kimball-Gillespie County line. In Limestone County, the 118,000-acre zone is west of Mejia. It extends from Highway 84 north to Dawson and Hubbard on 31. These two zones were not created when the commission expanded and created CWD surveillance and containment zones a few months ago because the testing had not been confirmed at the time. Hunters who harvest deer or other CWD-susceptible species in a CWD zone are required to take their animal to a CWD check station within 48 hours of harvest to be tested. A list of stations is available on the Parks and Wildlife website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw mostly lower clothes in the cattle complex Thursday, but cotton hit another day of limit-up trade. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded both sides of unchanged on Thursday. When it all shook out, we were mostly lower on the close. The exception being the nearby December live cattle contract, it was up 55 cents, 151.95. February, however, down two at 154.87. April live cattle down 20, 158.30. Feeder cattle market lower with November feeders down 92 cents, 178 even. January feeders down 57, 179.42. And March down 15 cents at 181.77. Now the cash fed cattle trade this week still very slow to develop. We have reports of some lower quality cattle here in Texas selling for a buck lower this week at 149. However, the higher quality cattle still on the show list are priced at 152. Up north, we've seen live sales one to two higher at 153 to 155. Boxed beef prices higher Thursday, choice up $1.51, $264.98, select up 53 at 233.69. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Henry Pickett and crew put on a great sale at Abilene Livestock every Tuesday. 
Let's get on the phone with Henry right now. Henry, how did that sale turn out? Well, we ended up with a little over 800 and uh, had about 200 cows, which was pretty good for as wet as it is in there, and we sure needed the moisture. The market was uh, pretty good. We like calves were probably $5 a hundred higher. We had a set of 375 weight to four and a quarter weight branch steers. They bring anywhere from 190 to 210. Their lighter uh, calf mates weighing 350 bring upwards of 225. The heifer mates to them, four weight heifers were bringing upwards of 170. The 350 weight heifers from 180. And uh, Parker bulls and cows were probably steady to two to three dollars higher. But everything looked like it was on the mend, and everything was headed up. Good. Do you know of anything for this next go round? It's just a hit and a miss this last week. You know, we had several consignments that weren't able to get in due to the wet weather, which is a good problem. And uh, right now we're just waiting to see how everything pans out. Tell everybody how to contact you, please. Here at the barn, I can be reached at 325-673-7865 or my cell number is 940-733-8208. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. The corn market took another drop on Thursday with December corn down eight and a quarter, six seventy-nine and a quarter. March corn down eight, six eighty-four and three quarters. Of course, Russia taking that about face on Wednesday on preventing Ukrainian grain exports, saying they'll now allow it. Uh, definitely put some pressure on this grain trade. We didn't see a lot of movement lower in the hard wheat market, but soft wheat finished lower on Thursday. December Kansas City wheat up a penny, 941 and a quarter. New crop July down one and a half at 929. Soft wheat lower with December Chicago wheat down five and a half at 840 and a half. New crop July down two and three quarters, 871 and a quarter. In the energy markets, December natural gas down 34 cents at 592. December crude oil down a buck 87, 8813 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 16 points, 32,131. The NASDAQ down 119 at 10,405. And the SP down 21 at 3,738. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.